You're listening to It's Complicated, doing business during coronavirus, a weekly podcast produced by Atlanta Business Chronicle. I'm Crystal Edmondson. Each week we'll bring you interviews, information, and insight to empower you during these extraordinary times. This week, we talk in-town development, the Atlanta Beltline front and center. We hear about a major milestone for that project. This is the first time that we truly have line of sight of being able to complete the entire Atlanta Beltline trail network. This is game-changing for us. Also, how a new development could make living along the 22-mile loop more accessible. They're working on an expansion of the Pont City Market campus, including an apartment tower, and there could be a handful other apartments renting for less than $1,000. But before we get to all that, here's what's on the economic agenda this week. First, an update on the state of the housing market comes out this week in the form of the S&P Case-Shiller Report. Last month's index showed home prices in the Atlanta region rose nearly 9% compared to December of 2019. Nationwide, that increase was closer to 10.5%. The pandemic caused just a temporary pullback. Since last June, home prices nationwide have been on a steady increase. Atlanta Realtors puts the local median sales price for a single-family home at about $315,000. Second, Financing that mortgage is getting more expensive. The current rate in Georgia for a 30-year fixed-rate loan is about 3.3%, and it's been rising. But that hasn't stopped people from applying for loans. We'll get an update from the Mortgage Bankers Association. It'll release fresh data on mortgage application demand. Third, U.S. auto sales figures are due out later this week. The pace of car and truck transactions slowed earlier this year. Automakers with a presence in Georgia bore that out. Kia Motors America and West Point saw a nearly 8% sales decline last month. Demand for larger vehicles with more features, though, is fueling an uptick in prices. We'll see how that affects consumer traffic at area dealerships. Of course, you can stay up to date with all your local business news. Log on to our website, AtlantaBusinessChronicle.com. Earlier this month, the Atlanta City Council approved a Special Service District, or SSD, that creates a new funding stream for the build-out of the Atlanta Beltline. The revenue will come from a tax increase on businesses and landlords along the 22-mile loop. I caught up with Clyde Higgs, president and CEO of the Atlanta Beltline. We begin our conversation with the potential impact of that SSD. This is the first time that we truly have line of sight of being able to complete the entire Atlanta Beltline trail network. This is game changing for us. This will help us to collect um, about $100 million uh, for, for Beltline trail completion. And this is a part of a capital stack of roughly $300 million for the construction of the remaining 15 miles of the Atlanta Beltline. You know, there were a lot of factors, um, even early on uh, in the Beltline, that really delayed funding, you know, created some challenges. Can you talk about when you realized, um, I think you all said there was a $1 billion funding gap, uh, and some of the factors that led to that gap? That has been a significant challenge for us. And so uh, in the early days, we were met with, uh, with lawsuits, uh, we were also obviously met with the Great Recession. Uh, baseline funding, just as context for, for Beltline, is through our tax allocation district. And, uh, and so as the economy does well, 
then we're able to collect uh, additional uh, dollars for, for the Beltline. If the economy is not doing well, then the monies that we would have from that TAD uh, are slim. And, and again, when the projections were first started uh, for the Beltline, you know, before 2006, no one could have ever predicted, you know, a great recession. And you may remember, just again for context, uh, we are supposed to complete uh, a number of our projects under the Beltline umbrella by the end of 2030. And so right. we need to get very aggressive in finding uh, infusions of, of cash, of revenue to help us play catch up. So, you know, when you talk about um, challenges to funding and, and not being able to collect uh, the taxes as you had thought, it reminds me of what we just went through in 2020. How has the pandemic affected uh, the Beltline, either through funding or, or the build-out? The economy, just from a tax perspective, has still been you know, relative, relatively robust. And so we have not seen a, a slowdown you know, from the, the money that we can generate through our tax allocation district. Um, and then also from a delivery uh, perspective, um, again, with, uh, with people not being on roads uh, as much uh, as they were pre-pandemic, has actually created some efficiencies for us because we, we had to close a road. Uh, those opportunities are, are a lot easier uh, when you don't have a whole lot of people uh, outside there uh, driving. Going back to the SSD, was there any concern about raising taxes uh, on businesses and on landlords in this environment? The whole concept of the SSD was not born from, from Beltline, but it was born from property owners that came to us to say, hey, how can we make a significant contribution to, to helping you all get back on track? Because we know what happened with the recession and the lawsuits from the past. And so, so this was the, the property owners coming to us saying we're willing to, to tax ourselves so that we can make this significant contribution uh, to to the Beltline. Um, what are some of the, the largest costs that are, are tied to building out the Beltline? Yeah, so so out of the, let's say, the, the 300, $350 million that it would cost for us to uh, to build out the, the Beltline, uh, about 70, 72% of that are actually uh, construction costs. Um, but a significant chunk uh, of that spending, and I, I'm not sure that everybody realizes this, but but it's the the real estate acquisition piece. You know, we're going to probably spend close to to 20% of those dollars, you know, specifically on just the the acquisition of of land through easements, you know, to to finish the the entire loop. Is transit still on the table with regards to the Beltline? Will there still be a transit component? A absolutely. And so you may remember, Crystal, about four and a half years ago when the voters supported a, a half-penny sales tax to support transit within the city of Atlanta. And, and that uh, half-penny sales tax will ultimately raise about $3.2 billion. Uh, almost a billion of that is slated to go to Beltline uh, Transit specifically. 
Transit is still a priority, so is less expensive housing. Clyde says the Beltline has been buying property along the loop to build housing that is more affordable. He says prices would be in the range of up to 50 percent of area median income. That's lower than the standard, which is 80 percent. The Atlanta Beltline has been central to in-town development in recent years. Atlanta Business Chronicle reporter Diana Bagby has been covering the city's changing landscape. I asked her about some of the new policies and projects taking shape. No surprise, the first one is along the Beltline. So Jamestown is the owner of Pont City Market, the iconic mixed-use project on the East Side Trail, which has been completed and is vastly popular. They're working on an expansion of the Pont City Market campus, including an apartment tower. Um, It would include 160 units, 13 stories, and there could be a handful other apartments renting for less than $1,000 right there on the Beltline where rents you know, are twice that at least. Sounds like it would open up a a lot of apartment units for people who probably never thought that they would be able to live along the East Side Trail. You know, I spoke to a real estate expert with Haddo and Company, Chris Hall, who said, you know, if, if they can make the economics work, you know, kudos to Jamestown because Um, He hasn't been able to see that happen, especially because land and construction costs are so high. Well, keeping with the theme of affordable housing, um, you've been reporting about the latest with um, inclusionary zoning. Give us an update on the city's housing policy in that space. So inclusionary zoning requires developers to set aside a certain number of units as affordable housing. The city, to help increase its affordable housing stock, has required all residential units built in um, Grove Park, Center Hill, Cary Park neighborhoods to have inclusionary zoning. So that's for sale and rental. What's the potential impact uh, for that part of town? We will see what will happen. Microsoft is included in that project, and they've promised to set aside 25% or they're included in that district. They've promised to include 25% of affordable housing. We don't know what that looks like yet, but it would mitigate displacement, you know, allow lower to moderate-income residents stay in their homes that live there now and, you know, to move into the area. When you have companies making announcements about coming to town, there's a lot of interest. Right. And the Westside Park is also, was, you know, Westside Park, the opening of Westside Park is already attracting developers. And the Microsoft announcement, you know, amplified that you know, concerned by many residents in the in these neighborhoods who say, you know, rents are tripling and they're seeing, you know, legacy residents being forced out because they just can't afford to live there anymore. 
The median income for residents near the Westside Park is less than $30,000 a year. Instead of affordable housing, some community leaders want to see better education, reskilling, and higher paying jobs for in-town Atlanta residents. Well, before we go, mark your calendar for a virtual event this Thursday, April 1st. The Chronicle will host Women Who Lead, a panel discussion and workshop. You can register for that event on our website, atlantabusinesschronicle.com. Just click on the Events tab. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Atlanta Business Chronicles podcast. It's complicated, doing business during coronavirus. Thanks for listening. I'm Crystal Edmondson. Stay safe, everybody.